We are up to Daf Nun Aleph, page 51, in the Heilige Meseches Nidarm, the only Meseches Nidarm, and we're going to pick up on Daf Nun Aleph, Amar Aleph, 51a, with Omar La Barkapara Librate de Rebbe. Barkapara said to the daughter of Rebbe, this is five lines from the top of the Amud, the last two words. Omar La. All right? So we're continuing on in the story where Barkapara started out uh, upset that he wasn't invited to the chasna of Reb Shimon, who was Rebbe's son. And now we're getting back to the story. And Barkapara, Amar la Barkapara, Labarte de Rebbe, Barkapara said to Rebbe's daughter, by the way, Lamachar tomorrow, Shasina Chamra, so apparently this was the day prior to the chasna, tomorrow I'm going to drink wine, Berikuda, by the dancing. The avuch of your father. So I know I'm going to end up by the wedding. Not only that, I'll be drinking wine while your father's dancing. Uve kirkane de imach. And also with kirkane de imach. There's a, numerous different explanations in the Mepharshim over here what kirkane means. Let us stick with the expression of, that we'll assume kirkane here means that your mother is going to be pouring the wine for me. All right, different explanations. The Rosh and Rashi run. Uh, what exactly Kirkani is, but translated as your father is going to be dancing with me at the wedding or, or for me at the wedding, and your mother is going to be pouring the wine. Ben Alasa chasnei de Rabbi Havi. Now, Ben Alasa was Rebbe's son in law. Okay, so whether it was this Rebbe's daughter's husband or a different son in law, but Ben Alasa was Rebbe's son in law. And he was tremendously wealthy. I guess uh, he joined in his father-in-law's business, joined in Rebbe's business, yeah? And Bar Kapara, um, when he ultimately was invited to the Chasna, Amar Le Bar Kapara Rebbe, Bar Kapara said to Rebbe, my Toyeva, so they're now at the Chasna, they came inside, and Bar Kapara <coughs> says to Rebbe, what does it mean Toyeva? Okay. What's Tayeva? So the Torah says that the action of um, two men having relations together is a Tayeva, is an abomination. So he says to Rebbe, what's bothered, what he's bothered by is this strange, not strange, it's a different expression. He could have just said, it's forbidden. What do you mean Tayeva? It's abomination. What's with this interesting word? So, called the Amarle Rebbe, whatever Rebbe tried to answer him, he would say, This is Tayeva. You know, Rebbe gave different explanations. Parcha Bar Kapara, Bar Kapara would question it and show that that's actually not the best answer for Tayeva. So, Amarle, so Rebbe said to Bar Kapara, again, he's at his son's wedding, right? So, Rebbe's, you know, he's, try, he's talking and learning of Bar Kapara. Bar Kapara's no Rebbe, what's with Tayeva? Rebbe says, tries giving this answer, that's it. Bar Kapara knocks him off. So he says to Barakapara, Parshe at, you tell me what Tayeva means. Barakapara said to Rebbe, Well, I'm willing to teach you on the, on the following condition. Tasi de vishi termele natla. Have your wife pour wine for me. So Asas Ramule. So Rebbe wanted to know, Taka, why it says in the Torah, the expression of Tayeva. He says, All right, says his wife, No, let's pour him a cup of wine. Amalei the Rebbe. So Barakapara. Said to Rebbe, "Come, record me the Maslach. Let's go dance, and uh, I'll tell you the answer." Fine. So they went and danced. 
told him, now that he was able to fulfill his promise to Rebbe's daughter, that his mother, the mother's going to pour wine, and his father's going to dance. So he says, the Tayeva means, that this is a, a, um, a mistake in the normal order of society. Which means, when it says Tayeva, the Torah is telling us two problems. Not only that it's forbidden, but also, Tayyib, you know why it's an abomination? Because it's exact, it's, it's, the, it's the opposite of how to keep world order. This is completely abnormal. It's an abnormal thing. It leaves world order. And, and in order to let us know this, the whole, the whole approach is a mistaken approach, throwing normal things out of whack. That's, why, that's the added limud, the added message of the word Tayyib. Fine. The Chasa Achrina. Now, Barkapara wanted to get a, another cup of wine. So Omar Lay, so he said to him, My Tevel, when it says, when it says uh, an expression of Tevel, Tevel is like forbidden mixtures. Okay, forbidden mixtures. Now the Torah uses the expression of Tevel when referring to a father-in-law that has relations with his daughter-in-law. So again, it could have just said a regular expression why, does you, why do you need to use the word um, tevel? Now, it uses, again, it uses, the Mepharshim here explained, it used the word tevel over there, and apparently it's also used when it talks about a person having relations with an animal. So again, what, what's with this strange expression by forbidden relations? Amar karma, so the same thing happened like before, right? He tried to give answers, he knocked it off, he said, fine, you tell me, Amar Ibdilach, Daimar Lach, you know, have your wife pour me another cup of wine and you and we'll dance. Avad, he did it. Amar he said to him, Tevel hu, Tavlin Yeshba. Tevel is an expression of Tavlin. Tavlin is spices. Okay, spices is something that brings out a greater geschmack, a greater flavor. So what he's saying is that the reason why the Torah used the expression of Tevel is to let us know that the Torah is, is pointing out a relationship that the woman has no gain in actual pleasure from this relationship. So why are you doing it? All right. There's no tavlin. There's no, there's no added spice to this. Why do you got to do this? Why do you have a relationship with an animal over all other bias? zima. says, okay. What's the expression of zima? Zima also is lewdness. What's that expression? Let's do this again. Pour the wine. Let's dance. Zima's expression of when the child comes out of that intercourse. We're going to say, Zu, this kid, Mahi. What's he about? Where's, where does this kid, uh, where does the kid come from? We don't, know, we don't know who the father is. And Ben Alasa, who we spoke about earlier, who was very wealthy, and the daughter-in-law, I'm sorry, the son-in-law of Rebbe, as this is going on with Bar Kapara, he couldn't take this anymore. He, 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 like, it, was, it was too demeaning for him to see his father-in-law and mother-in-law taking care of the Talmud Bar Kapara at the Chasna. And come v'nafaku v'insei mitaman. So him and his wife, <coughs> excuse me, him and his wife left, um, uh, left the Chasna. They didn't, uh, it bothered them so much. Says the Gemara, my ben Alasa, what are we mentioning here? About Ben Alasa. Who is he? Why is he? What's happening over here? The Tanakh Lutner Brisa. Ben Alasa's Maisa. 
<clears throat> you should know a unique thing about Ben Allah. So listen to this. He spent a lot of money on his haircuts. That was unique. You know, sometimes you'll notice, uh, you notice uh, something unique about people. Some people, they always, you know, their yarmulke matches their tie. Or they, have a, they wear a unique uh, pair of socks or a unique tie. Ben Alosa was known that he had very expensive haircuts. Why? Listen to this. It's incredible. It's actually for a beautiful reason. Remember, he is a son-in-law of Rebbe. So this is a little bit after the destruction of the second base on Mikdash. Okay? When Mishnah was composed. Ben Alosa had the money. He was wealthy. And he would purposely get the special haircut that the Kain Gadol would get. Now the special haircut of the Kain Gadol was one of where each hair was cut in a way where it just barely overlapped the next hair. They should, you know, get haircuts. We learned, the haircuts were like a lulyanis, which is what? My lulyanis, what's a lulyanis type of haircut? Am Rabbi Yehuda, tisparta yechidasa. It's a special haircut. Says Gemara, okay, very nice. You didn't help me. Hechidami, what type of special haircut? Amarava, The edge of one hair reached barely to the root of the next one. This was the haircut of the Kangado. So, Ben Alasa, when he walked into a room, he was the good-looking, handsome guy with a nice haircut at all times. That was his thing. That's what he did. But he didn't just do this for attention. He did it so that people, whenever they were learning the sugya of the Kain Gadol, and they were learning about the unique haircut of the Kain Gadol, you know, it would open up conversation for him and them. It comes to a wedding. Wow, you got a snazzy haircut. What's up with it? Like, oh, this is the Kain Gadol's haircut. And that would lead to teaching halacha and people talking about the, the korban. Okay. Which uh, obviously is well, would uh, would have been a very positive thing. All right, back to our Mishnah. Beautiful two dots. and also the Delasaramutza. So if you look back at Memtes Amar Aleph in the Mishnah, our Mishnah said that if a person makes a nether, he says kainam tavshil she'ani tayim or she'ani tayim. I'm making a kainam, a vow from tavshil, cooked food. So we said he cannot use any food that's loose, but he could eat solid food. And he's allowed to eat tormuta eggs, which we explained yesterday, the specially cooked eggs, and also a delas remutza, a remutza melon. So now let's turn back to our mission now, uh, to our Gemara, Nun Aleph, Amad Aleph. Here we go, two dots. You're allowed to eat a Delasar even though you said you're not going to eat from Tavshil. Says the Gemara, my Delasar what is this? Amar Shmuel, Kara Karkuzai. It's a melon from Karkuza. Ravashi Amar, Delas Hatmuna Beremetz. It's actually not a, it's, it's not talking about a specific place, but it's referring to a, um, a melon that's baked in remets. Remets is ashes that still are, um, what, what do you, uh, how do you call this? When you have like a bonfire and the, the wood turns into, it's, you know, when it's burning. What is it? What is this? Right, it turns to ambers. Okay. So you have like, it's already like burnt, 
but it's still remaining hot. So the, so the, the embers of the, of the wood is uh, what's going to cook up the melon. So that's going to be permitted to eat, even if you said, I'm not allowed to eat tafshul. says, a melon from Aram, he, the Lasa Mitzris, is the same type of melon as one from Egypt. Kalayim im Hayavanis. And you should know, if you plant it with one that comes from Greece, it's going to be forbidden, like Kalayim, like shotness, right? There's certain things you're not allowed to plant together. And also, Kalayim im Aramutza. It's also going to be Kalayim with... The Ramutza melon. Okay, well, guess what? What you see from here is that a melon, Ramutza, the Las Ramutza is obviously a place. It's not the way that it's cooked. Because if a Las Ramutza is the type of cooking, what do, you, what do you mean you're not allowed to plant it together with other types of plantings? It's not a unique melon. It must be. It's talking about a specific place. It says the Gemara, Teyufta, Yitaka right. That is a Las Ramutza. Period. Beautiful. Okay. Hanoider mimaisa kadera. If a person makes a neder from maisa kadera, he says, "I'm not getting anything that was prepared in a pot." He's not allowed to eat uh, food that needs like boiling. Amar, but if he says, if he says, or shani tayim, I'm not, anything that was ever going down into a pot, I will not taste. Then it doesn't make a difference. You said anything that's placed in the pot, it doesn't, doesn't make a difference how it was cooked. Ultimately, if it went down into a pot, you said you're not going to, you said you're not going to eat it. Fine. Now keep in mind, again, we need to keep our, uh, our minds on the broad picture that it's about, when you make a vow, what's it about? The way people understand the expression you made. So if this is the way people understand the expression you made, that's you're going to have to follow through on. Which leads to the whole conversation of itself. So why do you need two blood to get into this? Fine, we'll discuss that later. Two blood, you know, you can get, you know, you, you, you tell me the general rule and then in each place and each time, I'll have to figure out well, what the vow is uh, including. But here we go. That went down into a pot. You can't even eat anything that went into a frying pan. Because the way they used to fry is first they would boil something in water and then they would fry it. Hence, if you forbade something from that went down into a pot, it's going to include frying. But if he says, I'm forbidding myself the anything that goes into a frying pan, you can still eat things that go into a pot because not necessarily is it ever going to be fried. Again, now keep in mind, this is only if you live in a place where the understanding is that we're in a place where they always boil things before frying it. Fine. He says, I'm, I'm not allowed to eat something, anything that was nasa bikadera, anything that was made in a pot. Mutter be nasa Then you're allowed to eat something that was made in a frying pan. Now let's explain. Things that are going to a pan are first boiled. But then why are you frying it? It's already cooked. The answer is, you're not finished cooking it because I want it fried. I don't want it boiled. I don't want it in a pot. So if he says, nasa, nasa means it's made, it's done. So then we'll say, listen, if you only forbade something that's done, 
So then it's going to be okay, because you just boiled it in a pot, and it's not done until it's in the pan. We've made another forbidding something that goes in the pan. It's permitted to um, eat something that the process was completed inside of a frying, uh, inside of a kedera, a pot. Okay. If a person makes a nether, I'm not allowed to eat something that goes into an oven. The only thing that it's usher to eat is bread. Okay. Anything that's ever made in an oven is usher, then usher, then anything that's baked. So again, if you say something that goes down to the tanor, the understanding is you're only talking about bread. That's the understanding. But if you specifically say everything that, gets, that goes down into the oven, that gets baked, okay, now it's going to be everything. You understand? Oven, when you think of oven, you think about what? Like they have this game. You say a word and what, what, what do you have to do? It's like process. It's like how, how you process. You hear one word and then you... What, what's the first word that comes to mind when I say oven? The answer is bread. That's the Gemara saying. So if you say... I'm making another from anything from that which goes in an oven. Only bread is forbidden. But if you say anything that's prepared in an oven, fine. So now it's going to include even chocolate cake and pretzels and anything else. I'm assuming pretzels are baked in an oven. Anything else that's, uh, that's baked in an oven. Okay. Beautiful. End of that Gemara. We now turn to the Mishnah on the top of Nun Aleph Amud Beis 51b. Here we go, Viter. Number of Mishnayas here, right? Min HaKavosh. Person says, I am not going to get benefit from Kavosh. Kavosh is things, we're going to, it's really broader than this, but we're going to translate it here as pickled. Okay? That's generally what Kavosh is referring to. Now, what Kavosh in a broader picture really means is anything that helps cook an item and prepare it without heat. It's without heat. Okay? So there's there's numerous different ways to uh, numerous different ways to get this done. Depending on the liquid that it's put into, depending on the food that went in. One of the things we tried when I was in uh, when I was in the mir, I was learning in, in Chabura in Ner Gavriel, oh, we we're going for smicha. So when we're going through Hilchah Shabbos. So one of the rules of Shabbos is that kavush in water, uh, to pickle something in water takes 24 hours. To pickle something in brine takes less than 24 hours. It has to do with cooking on Shabbos. It's interesting. Because for example, listen to this, Hever, it'll blow your mind. If you have, right? You're not allowed to cook on Shabbos. Pickling cooks. So you're not allowed to stick a cucumber into brine on Shabbos. It's called cooking. There's a fascinating sugya, which has to do with, you know, if you put a potato inside of water on Shabbos, so we assume it's automatically going to be cooked in the water after 24 hours of sitting in the water. The thing is, 24 hours later is only Sunday. So is that a problem? Can you stick it into water? Or do we say, if you ever stick food into water and soak it, you got to make sure that you take it out on Matzi Shabbos before it gets 24 hours. Otherwise, you did an action of cooking on Shabbos that only took place later on on Sunday. It's like, it's getting complicated, right? 
So actually, one of the guys, what they did was, one of the guys in, in, in our Chabura, in our group, he peeled a potato. He peeled a potato. He brought it into yeshiva. Filled up a 24-ounce uh, cup with water. We dropped the potato in at 10 o'clock. And we just put it there. We just sat it there on the side. Covered it. And the next morning at 10 o'clock, we uncovered it. And we checked if you could eat it. And it was completely edible. It was completely edible. I, it wasn't good. I wouldn't eat it. <laughs> but it was edible. You see, see it, right? Okay, so there's different ways to do, to do kavosh. Different ways to uh, keep food uh, cooked and preserved, even, with, uh, even without heat. So guy says, I'm, making, I'm not going to eat anything that's kavosh. Let's, we're going to translate here as pickled. You're only allowed to eat pickled vegetables. Okay, but again, keep in mind the word pickling that we're using here is not specific to picking, pickling. It's anything that keeps food preserved without a heating element. If he says, I'm forbidding myself in a vow from anything that's kavosh, pickled, and as far as tasting from it, anything, you're not allowed to eat or taste anything that is, um, that is kavosh. He says, I'm forbidding myself from eating any food that is not completely cooked. Uh, or n- not cooked enough. So that's, we're assuming that means meat. Meat is something that people are very careful is cooked to the proper extent. So if you say, I'm, I'm not going to make a vow, I'm not going to eat anything that's not cooked enough. So we're assuming that it's only referring to meat. But Shalok Shani Toyim, he says, talks about every, everything. So then, anything that's not cooked enough is going to be a problem. Okay? Very sensible. Omar! The kvish, my. What if he says, I'm making a vow from anything that's already pickled? The shlik, my, something that is already not cooked enough. The tzli, my, something that's roasted. The maliach, my, salted. Heichon mashma, what do you, what are these mashma? What, what do they give off? What are the connotations over here? Is it, is it, uh, you know, is it going to be, uh, does this vow include these things? And the Gemara says, Tiboi, which in other Masechtas would be Teku, Tiboi, we're unsure. We don't know. We're not sure um, what, the, uh, what the halacha would be. We don't have enough of a guideline to clarify for us um, these specific terms. Okay. Next Mishnah. Menatzli, I'm not going to eat anything that's roasted. That's only referring to meat. Tzli shani toyim, he says, I'm not going to taste anything that's roasted. And then you cannot eat anything roasted, not only meat, everything else as well. I'm not going to eat salted food. This is referring to fish. Fish is commonly cured in salt. But if he says any salted food, then it's not only fish. Anything that's salted, you're not allowed to eat. Dog, dogim, shani toyim. If he says dog, dogim, fish, multiple fish, from tasting, fish, fish, double expression of fish, that means all types of fish, big ones, small ones. Whether they're salted, whether they're not salted, whether it's sushi grade salmon that you're going to eat raw, whether it's mavusha, whether it's cooked, because you said, dog, dog, any fish, any fish. You're allowed to eat taris that is cut up. And also tzir, which is um, uh, uh, juice that leaks out of a fish. Tzir is like the water that comes out of the fish. And 
and um, uh, morius is the juice that comes out of a fish. All right, these are different uh, liquids that seep out uh, that seep out from the fish. The person says, I'm forbidden to eat tzachna. Okay? Tzachna is like very small sardines, things of that sort. Very small fish. So, you cannot eat this cut up taras fish. Okay? Because apparently it's, it's like a tzachna uh, type of uh, herring, you know, that gets mixed up. Um trufa. I skipped, I'm sorry. You can still eat and or use the juices that came out of the fish. If you make a nether, only uh, forbidding the cut up taurus fish, the small fish. It's then just the fish itself. You're not allowed to eat, but you'd be permitted to eat the juices and liquids that seep out of the fish. Okay. So we have a whole fish Mishnah. I'm forbidding myself from tasting fish. You cannot eat big fish, you could eat small fish. If he says fish, see, before he said fish, um, and here he's saying dog, dog. Before he said dog, here he's saying dog. And small fish is not. But small, but big fish you could. Dog daga, aser ben gedolim uben katanim. It's kind of like, you know, there's a. Um, take a name, Isaac. Isaac. Okay, it's a family name by us. That's why it pops into mind, Isaac. So when the little kids named Isaac, so sometimes you call them Isaacal. Yeah, it's like a little Yiddish tit. Yeah, Isaacal, that's a Yaakov, is Yankel. You have like the little, you, when people are younger, sometimes the name sticks. Sometimes the taka sticks, even when they get older, where somebody by the name of uh, Yaakov, his old friends from school will still call him Yankel or Isaacal or Mendel, whatever it is, whatever it is. Okay. Doug, Dugga, really are translated the same. But apparently Dugga was kind of a Yankele. Yankala. Daga. Yankala is an expression. People would use that word when talking about smaller fish. And when they would talk about a larger fish, they would say dog. So if he says dog, I'm making a vow from, we say no big fish. If he says daga, then we say no small fish. If he says dog, daga, then we say no fish. All right. Fine. <clears throat> Hey, know that the expression dog is only talking about big fish. How do you know that? Because, okay. When Yaina fell off, the, when Yaina was asked to be thrown off the boat, so what happened? A dog godol, a large fish, Came and swallowed Yaina. Okay? So you see that Dog is Godal. Dog is large. So he says, But When Yaina davened inside the fish, then it used the expression of Dog. So you see, Dog is also a big fish. So which one is it? <coughs> which one is it? Seems to be a contradiction. There's a joke out there. 
where there was a Jewish girl, Jewish girl in third grade in public school. And I must have said this before, but it's Kedai, we're mentioning Yain and the Big Fish. It's a girl, third grade in public school. And the teacher's teaching them about mammals and this, the size, the ability of whales to open their mouth. And the teacher says that it's impossible for a whale to, to ever swallow a human. It's just not capable. The size, the ability of what it's able to swallow is not possible. So a little girl says, it's not true. The story of Jonah, a whale ate Jonah. So you see, Jonah, you see a, a whale could eat uh, a human. Now, who says it was a whale? I don't know. This girl's mother must have told her. Yeah, we don't know that it was a whale, but anyway, fine. So the teacher says, well, um, whatever you learned in the Bible is false because it's simply impossible. So you see, the Bible doesn't tell you the truth. So the, so the girl says, well, I know the Bible's telling me the truth. And when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jonah. Okay, so she's, the teacher says, well, what if Jonah's not in heaven? So the girl said, then you can ask him. Okay, that's the punchline, you can ask him. <laughs> says the Gemara, says the Gemara like this, is it Doug or Daga? What if he's downstairs, yeah, what if he's downstairs? Says the Gemara, no question, maybe what happened was, Jonah was swallowed by a large fish, and then he was swallowed by a small fish. Yeah, one fish sent him into another fish. It says the fish that were by the river died. This is talking about by Makas Dam, by the blood. The fish in the Nile died. Are you going to tell me that only the small fish died, but the larger ones didn't? Of course they did. The word Daga is both. The word Daga could be a big fish or a small fish. When it comes to vows, we follow We follow the way that most people uh, that most people use that word. Okay, so even though in a chanami in the Torah in Navi, it could refer to big fish and small fish, but most people use daga specifically for uh, specifically for small fish, and therefore when you make a vow. You're only going to be forbidden from small fish and not the larger fish. Okay, last piece of Gemara. Here we go, and we'll hold it here for today. Zok the Mishnah Hanoidah Minatzachna Vachulu. If a person makes a vow from, he says, I'm, I'm not allowed to eat tzachna. So what is that? Says the Gemara, Omar le Ravina le Ravashi, Omar Harayalai Tzichin Mai. What if he says that Tzichin is going to be usher to me? This thing upon me is like tzichin, okay? So uh, referring to the, the, the juices that come out of the fish. So is it going to be usher? To which the Gemara says, Tibai, uh, this is another question that we're unsure about. It's, it's not clear. The Mishnah is not giving us the complete parameters. Okay, we'll hold it here for today. Tomorrow we will pick up from the Mishnah on Nun Aleph. On what Aleph, I'm sorry, on Nun Aleph, on Mabe, it's all the way at the bottom. We're going to move on. We, uh, we, we're just, today's daf was about fish. And Beshem, tomorrow we're going to talk about dairy. We'll learn about, if you forbid, let's say you say, I'm not going to have milk. What is your status with butter? What's your status with cheese? What's it there? So we'll have a, a fascinating uh, Mishnah tomorrow, Beshem. We'll hold it here. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening, everybody.